will be able to communicate the word of God. Amen. We are looking at grace. Today's message is on God's grace. God's grace. We all know and we have heard it that grace is unmerited favor. It is favor that you have not worked for. It is a blessing or a gift from God that you did not earn. That you did not qualify to get. But God just looks you, looks at you and in his mercy, say in his mercy, in his mercy he looks on favor with you and chooses to bless you. So it's unmerited. You don't qualify for it. You don't work for it. You don't do anything for it. You just show up and the Lord just decides it is your moment and it becomes. Amen. It is grace that makes us great. Grace is also mercy. It is also love. And without God's grace, you cannot attain the greatness that he wants us or he wants you to attain. It is grace that pardons. Without God's mercy, without God's grace, none of us would stand. In fact, the psalmist said, if God were to mark our iniquities, who can stand? If God was to mark your faults, your weaknesses, or your mistakes, your sin, none of us would be able to stand. Let me submit to us that even you sitting on that seat today, it has taken God's grace. Even you being alive today, it has taken God's grace. You have not worked hard enough for you to deserve to be alive today. You are not qualified enough for you to be breathing free air today. It has taken God's grace. It has taken God's grace for me to stand on this altar this morning. God would have, or someone else would be here speaking to us, but it has taken God's grace. I'm not qualified. I don't deserve it. I have not, you know, I, I don't have any qualifications for me to stand here. And so I know it is by God's grace. So grace is the one that pardons. It is grace that makes us great. It is grace that has made us who we are today. There is a story told of one man who was a mayor. In, uh, during the times of the Great Depression, he was a mayor in uh, New York City. And it was in the, in the World War II, and it was in the worst of times during that time. This man was called Lagadia. Maybe many of you have read about him or know him. And one bitter cold morning, he decided to go and uh, turn up in a night court. It was a night court in the city. Uh, and it was in one of the poorest of the wards in that city. This guy, Lagadia, that evening decided to dismiss the judge. And he took over the bench for that evening. And a few minutes later, there was a woman, an old woman, who was brought before him, and he was charged with stealing a loaf of bread. And after listening to the, after listening to the charges, and he gave her an opportunity to speak, and this, and to speak, and this woman told Lagadia that her daughter, her daughter's husband had actually deserted her, and her grand, and now her grandchildren were starving. You know, they were starving. And so she had to take action. She went and stole that loaf of bread from one of the shopkeepers. But the shopkeeper, whom the bread that was stolen, refused to drop the charges. 
And he said, this woman deserves punishment so that she serves as a lesson that stealing is bad. And the judge, who is now this mayor, Lagadia, looked at it and looked at the woman and said, indeed, you deserve to be punished because stealing is a crime that is punishable according to the law. But even as, and, and then he sent him, he made a sentence and sentenced this woman to either $10 to give $10. Remember this woman had stolen because it, she did not have money. So she was sentenced to either give uh, the fine of $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as this judge was giving the sentence, he went into his pocket and he got the $10 out and put it there and told the woman that your fine has been paid. That is grace. But even as he did that, he said, everyone in this courtroom is also going to give each 50 cents. They are going to give because it is unacceptable in the times and in the city that you are in that a woman should steal a loaf of bread when you are here, when I am there. So she find, he fined everybody that was in that courtroom 50 cents each. And he commanded, and he commanded the bailiff to collect the money. And all the money that was collected, it turned up to be $47.50. And it was all given back to this poor woman. So the newspapers, the New York uh, newspapers the following day, they reported that the total, all the money that was given went to that woman. Imagine, God in his mercy, when he looks at you and me, he sees us as we are, yes, but he also sees as much as we have sinned against him, the work of the cross, the work that Jesus came to do for us, it was because of that grace. God sees us and as the judge, he knows that we deserve nothing but punishment. We deserve nothing but death. The penalty for sin is Death. The Bible says the wages of sin is, it is death. So God looked at us and he saw that we deserved punishment. But in his mercy, he gave his son. He gave his son so that he can die for you. And today we are here. We are confessing that Jesus is Lord. We are confessing that we are born again because of the good news. Because someone paid the price for us. Isn't that mercy? Isn't that God's grace? We gain heights by God's grace. We will register new levels through all the seasons of life only by God's grace. You are alive today only by God's grace. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, it will not be by might, it will not be by power, but it is by the spirit of God. It will not, there are moments, there are seasons, there are things you will go through in life. And I'm telling you, your education will not stand to defend you. Your monies will not stand to defend you. It will only be by God's grace. There are times or there are seasons, there are things that happen that money is not a qualifier. That your education or your wealth or your achievements, your gold medals or whatever you have, your certificates will not speak. And all that is required is you lifting up your hands and tell God, God have mercy on me. There are times that all the things we have will not count, but only God's grace. So we will go to the next level only by God's grace. Even with the God spirit, even with, with that, with, with God's spirit in us. The Bible says that even that mountain, 
that is standing before you, it shall start, it shall, the Lord actually addresses it and says, who are you, great mountain, before my servant? That is grace speaking. Actually, the Bible says, when you continue with that scripture, the Bible says that there will be shouts on that mountain saying grace, grace. So it is grace that will move the mountain. Let's continue on that scripture. Verse uh, 7 says, Let's go verse 7. Who are you great mountain before Zerubbabel? You shall, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. So the word Zerubbabel, the name Zerubbabel there, insert your name and say before Lucy, you shall become a plain. And you shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. It is the grace of God that will silence the powers that be that are opposing you in this life. It is the grace of God that to level that mountain that is standing before you this day. It is the grace of God that will provide to that need that you have this day. It is the grace of God that makes you who you are today. It is amazing grace. The grace of God has brought you this far. Since we started the year, and the grace of God will help you finish the year. Amen? Because it is who God is. Grace is who God is. Hallelujah. Grace is who God is. Hallelujah. Grace is who God is. Repeat after me. Grace is who God is. And when God releases his grace upon you, nothing opposes. Nothing can stand before you. Nothing can withstand the presence of God. Nothing can oppose the purposes of God in your life. When grace comes upon you, when grace locates you, it doesn't matter the things that you're going through. God can come and suddenly your star shines and people start wondering, is that the woman? Is that the man that we knew? Is that the neighbor? Who is this man? Is this the man who used to sit by the street begging for food? Is this the man who used to come knocking on our doors every time or making SMS, uh, uh, writing SMSs asking for money to buy bread every time? Is this the same woman who has been, you know, who has always been looked upon by his, you know, by, uh, uh, by, by the peers around him, by the folks around him? Is this the same person? When grace locates you, it doesn't take days it doesn't take years for it to money for go, for people to tell that the grace of god has come upon your life it is usually instantaneous tell your neighbor instantaneous when we define grace grace is where you succeed without sweat grace in other words grace deletes sweat from your life grace we are taught we need to work hard, isn't it? Even the Bible says that diligent hands make rule, isn't it? But let me tell you, there are moments where grace of God, when grace of God comes, it deletes hard work. It deletes sweat from your life. It comes, locates you, and it doesn't matter. He finds you from nothing, and he becomes something. You become somebody. Because God's grace has been upon your life. When you define grace, grace is divine help. When you go for grace, you get help from God. You're going for help from God. You are going to ask God to help you because you realize that without him, you cannot make it. Without God, you cannot succeed. God's spirit, God himself will make a way for you and you will be helped. You will be marvelously helped because when grace comes, when the spirit of God falls upon you, 
nothing else matters. Your name changes, actually. Your situation changes. You suddenly becomes radiant. You suddenly becomes a beautiful person. You suddenly become someone who is noticeable. Even where you are, you always you to disappear in the crowds. When the grace of God comes, it elevates you. It lifts you. Because God comes to help you marvelously. When we define grace again, grace is putting God in your race. Grace is where God comes. And he is in your race. And you are no longer the one racing, but God racing for you. God runs for you. God takes over that fight and he fights for you. You are no longer the one fighting in that battle. It is the Lord coming and taking on his own person and he fights for you. You just stand still as the Bible says and see the salvation of the Lord. By God's grace, you will never be limited. By God's grace, I will never be limited. My father, my father, I declare today that by your grace, I will not be limited. How many are confessing with me today? Lift up your hand and say, my father, my father, I confess today that by your grace, I will not be limited. I will run the race because you are the one racing for me. And I will make it by the grace of God in Jesus' name. Number three. When we define grace, grace enables you to start a journey when you'll, a journey when you'll have given up. You restart a journey when you are almost giving up or when you had given up, you restart a journey. It is God's grace that gives you the strength, the sudden oomph, the sudden energy, the sudden motivation, the sudden inspiration, the sudden strength to run the race or to begin the journey where you had given up. I'm talking to someone who is saying, you know what? I have been looking and I've been waiting to have achieved this by this time, at this moment in this year. But I have not yet, uh, I have given up and I have given up hope and I don't think this was meant to be me. You have started a business and suddenly you feel like uh, this was not the kind of business that you're supposed to do and you're almost giving up. I'm talking to someone who is almost giving up because of their child who has been very rebellious. The Lord is saying the grace of God will give you the strength to restart the journey again. The grace of God will help you recover all that you have lost. The grace of God will help you. It shall anoint you with speed and you will escalate and you will be able to recover everything that you lost or that you thought you lost. And you'll be able to overtake even those that have been ahead of you. It is called God racing with you. When God races with you, you overtake those who are ahead of you. You overtake those who got married before you and they got married in their 20s. But you are here at 38 and you're wondering what is happening to me. Let me tell you, when the grace of God comes upon your life, you will get married. You will have children and people will look at you and they will say, I admire this person because they have seen that the grace of God has worked over your life. So do not give up my sister. Do not give up my brother. Even when those young, uh, young girls are refusing you or are refusing your advances, when the grace of God comes upon your life, they will all come flocking and you will be spoiled for choice, but don't go testing everyone. Just have your peak. Hallelujah. Because when the grace of God is upon your life, when the grace of God comes upon your life, you will say it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. 
it was worth the wait. Because when grace is at work, when grace is at work, work, it is God racing for you. Hallelujah. When you look at 1 Samuel, if we could go there quickly. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 9. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. For... By strength, no man shall prevail. So the Lord will guard the feet of his saints. Are you a saint of the Lord? Am I talking to a saint this morning? Are you a saint of the Lord? Lift up your hand and say, the Lord will guard my feet. For by strength, no man shall prevail. I will prevail by the grace of God. Because he will guard my feet. Amen. Because it is not by might, as we have said. It is not by power. It is by the spirit of the Lord. It is by God's grace. Tell your neighbor, unaisikia vizuri, ni ya mungu. Eh, education doesn't count. It is by the grace of God. We will prevail by God's grace. When, gra- when grace locates you, nothing can stand before you. When grace locates you, you will prevail, not by strength. You will prevail, not by what you have. You will prevail because grace of God has come upon you. Hallelujah. And the spirit of God is upon you. Are we moving on where? Am I taking you full speed? I'm really trying to. The Lord is good. The main purpose of grace. The main purpose of grace is to raise you up. The main purpose of grace is. It is to raise you up, to take you from where you are and get you to the next level. It takes you from where you are, deacons, someone looking at you next year, they will be able to tell that the grace of God has been upon this young man because he's not where I left him where in 2022. Who is saying with me that 2023, the grace of God is going to be upon my life? That 2023, I will prevail by the grace of God. Let's even not go to 2023. Can we confess about 2022? That 2022, before it ends, I will prevail by the grace of God. That this year, this month, before it ends, I will prevail by the grace of God. Because we prevail by God's grace. And the Lord himself is the one that raises us up. Grace took Moses from leading sheep to leading men. Grace took Moses from leading sheep to leading men. It was also grace that took David. The same case, from leading sheep to being a king. From shepherding sheep to shepherding Israel, a people. When you read Exodus chapter 33, from verse 13 to verse 17. We can read quickly, Exodus 13. You are there, say, I am there. This is Moses talking to God and he says, Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. Verse 14. And he said, My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Verse 15. 
And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not you, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. I know you by name. Praise the Lord. When you read this scripture, it is a very interesting, it is a very interesting and also very elaborative scripture. It talks about Moses beseeching the presence of the Lord. And he was reiterating what God had told him. Because God has told him that you have found favor in my sight. So Moses now was was saying, then if I have found grace in your sight, will your presence not go with us? I want to submit to us that where the grace of the Lord is, the presence of God is there. If you have, if there is any evidence of God's presence, of of God's grace, Upon an individual, it will be by the presence of God in his life. You will walk, walk around. You will be in the midst of a crowd. You will be among people. And they will tell that this person is born again. This person has God in himself. Like these young disciples who walked with Jesus after Jesus resurrected from the dead. And they went discussing. And Jesus appeared and stood with them. And they started walking to a mouse. And as he was, they were discussing and talking about the man who had died. You know, the story now was going on. The man who had died. And, and he, had, he was killed and he suffered. And all the things that happened. And they were asking Jesus, don't you know? Kwani, you've not been staying in this city. Kwani, where have you been? You haven't you read the newspapers? Daily Nation. Kwani, Ujasoma. Haven't you heard of this man that was killed? That died? And, and no, Jesus continued talking to them. And he started, uh, they started having fellowship with him. And they started talking together. And they walked to the city. And... Jesus, when he broke bread with them, their eyes were opened. That's what the Bible says. And they saw that it was Jesus. And they believed. And they had so much excitement because they knew that they were in the presence of Jesus himself. Because the grace of God had located them. And the grace of God was walking with them. And the grace of God was in their lives. Until they confessed later and said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Because what? There was the presence of God in their hearts. That's what the presence of God does. Even to the people around you, their hearts will burn within them. Even when you have not told them about Jesus. Because they will know that there is a servant of God who is a carrier of God's own presence among us. There is someone who will be afraid to give a bribe because they are... They, they, they don't know why they are, they are afraid to do that. But the presence of God in your life will cause that person not to want to give a bride. Because they know that, they, they feel that the presence of God, there is something within their heart that is chokoraring them, that is stirring within their heart. And they, they don't know what is, but they suddenly get conviction that it is wrong to do this. Because what? There is someone in their midst who is a carrier or who is carrying the presence of God. So when you find grace upon your life, you find the presence of God. When the grace of God comes upon you, it is the next thing that we expect to see or to experience from you is the presence of God walking or you exhibiting 
a Christ's life walk or Christ's life uh, ex- uh, uh, character or lifestyle because of the presence of God in your life. Grace will make you succeed where others are struggling. Grace will make you succeed where others are struggling. You will come and do it and you will succeed and people will come and ask you in that office, umefanya ajehi. We have been struggling with this thing. How did you succeed? We have struggled for the entire week. We have struggled for the entire month. But suddenly you come to my desk and you just touch the computer, blah, blah, blah. And then you come up with a solution. How did you do that? Or you are in a board meeting and suddenly you stand up and make a statement. And people look at you and say, how did you come up with such a great idea? When the grace of God is upon your life, you will succeed where others are struggling, where others are finding it hard to make it, you will be able to succeed. You will be able to plant or sow in the famine and you will be able to reap a hundredfold because the grace of God is upon your life. Where others are struggling, when the economy is going so, is doing so poorly in the nation, you will still be feeding your children. You will still be paying school fees for your children. You will still be going on with life. You will not struggle where others are struggling because the grace of God is upon your life. Where others are struggling, you will not struggle. And you know why? When the grace of God comes upon your life, it is not so that you say, Wacha wale wate second yowajue mimi nikona yesu wapana. It's so that you can provide a solution. So that you can be an agent. You can be an ambassador of Christ Jesus himself. And you can be a help and assistance to that person that is struggling. So that indeed they can say, indeed there are men and women of God who love the Lord, who fear the Lord, who think on the poor and the needy among them. Grace will help you where others are struggling. Hallelujah. Grace will teach you to hate sin. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Let's continue. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly righteously and godly in the present age. Amen? Did we get that? We read again from verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. It is God's grace that will teach you to abhor sin, that which does not please the Lord. Amen. There are two levels of grace. When you stay, we still stay in that scripture. There is this grace that comes directly from God. We have said, verse 11 says, the grace of God. The grace, grace from God. Two levels of grace. One, there is a grace that comes from God. And number two, there is a grace that comes from men. Philippians chapter 1 verse 7 There is a grace that comes from men. When men extend their help towards you, when God uses men to help you climb to the next level, it is God's grace upon men to reach you. When you read the story of uh, Paul, just as it is right for me to think this of you, because I have found you in my heart, in as much as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. 
He is talking about the grace of God in his life. But he's also saying you are partakers of me together with grace. So there is a grace that comes from God. And there is a grace that comes from men. Be ready to receive that grace. Because God can pour his grace directly up upon you, onto you. And he can also use a man to help you move to the next level. Amen. The favor of God can locate you directly and it can also, a man can be used to help you as a stepping stone to go to the next level in the name of Jesus. Let us look at a few examples of God's grace in the Bible as I conclude. Just a few, like three. When you look at uh, Noah, Noah's story, we won't read everything, but you can just write down those who are writing Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. I'll just read quickly. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But do you know that wickedness and evil were so rampant, they were so great in the hearts of men during uh, that day. How, and God actually had said that he's going to swipe away the entire nation because of the wickedness that was in that city. But God, act, and actually he regretted creating them. But... He was ready to save one man who was righteous. Through, to, to, to save the people through one man who was righteous, who was faithful, and he was committed to walking with God. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was not perfect, yet God chose to save his family from destruction. If that is not grace, then I don't know what is. Because sometimes... Even one fly in the oil ruins the entire oil, isn't it? Sindia tunambiangwa. Yeah? Even poison, it doesn't matter how little poison is, it can destroy the whole pot, isn't it? And God would have looked at the entire nation and see the wickedness that was in the nation. And disregard that there was one man that was there that was righteous, isn't it? Because the wickedness, if it was put on a, on a weighing scale, the wickedness was much more than that one man that was righteous. But God in his mercy, by his grace, he found, God says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So that is grace. Number two, when you look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, this couple, their story is actually marked with unbelief. Though they are the fathers of faith, the story, the Bible would tell us later, but you look at their story and their walk, waiting on God to give them a son, and you see that their story was marked with a lot of doubts and unbelief. At some point, actually, Sarah, when God came and was telling Abraham that next year, time like this, you will have a son, Sarah laughed in his tent. He was laughing at who? He was laughing at God, isn't it? The doubt, the disbelief because she was old and she could not see how this was possible. Even, even Abraham doubted because at some point, even after laughing, after the promise was given and after laughing, they still went ahead and Sarah give, gave another woman to the husband, waiting that they are going to, uh, thinking they are going to expedite what God has, speak, has spoken by giving them a son through another woman. But that's not what God had said. So when, we look, when you look at this story, you see that these people, their lives were marked with a lot of unbelief, a lot of doubt. 
But the Lord would say that in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is Abraham. That is God's grace. Abraham's fear and sense of self-preservation, it sent him actually even to distort the truth at some point. And in fear of his life, he said that his, sister, uh, that his wife was his sister. So would that be a person that God would work with? Someone who is lying? Someone who is distorting the truth? Would that be a person that God would say that he is a man of faith later in the scripture? It is called grace. So what I'm presenting to us today is sometimes we buffet, we beat ourselves so much because of our failures, because of our not being able to achieve what you had planned to achieve. You put up a business, it doesn't do so well. You start, you get employed, and then after a few months, you start feeling like you're giving up, like it's not the kind of employment, like the kind of job, job you are wishing for. And you start, and even you start thinking of resigning. Or even sometimes, you may find yourself you've already resigned. But the Lord would tell us this day that his grace is sufficient for us. His grace is, in, is enough for us. It is God's grace that will help you achieve. It is God's grace that will pardon you. It is God's grace that will take you to the next level in life. So Abraham distorted some truth. He, he thought that uh, uh, by, by lying to God, he will be able, okay, by lying about him and uh, by lying about his wife, he will be able, he will be saved. But you see also, of course, he was saved. Of course, the king there, what, you know the story, all that happened. But you see, God had already marked him for favor, for grace. He had said, this is the man. I know his end from now. Let him walk the journey. He, there will be some falling, but there will also be some rising up. I am talking to you who has felt like you have fallen at some time, who has felt like you are almost giving up, you have given, or you have given up. And the Lord will tell you this afternoon, that my grace is sufficient for you. You don't know your end yet. You are my child and I love you. And my grace has already located you. And I'm going to take you to great places. The last person we are going to look at is Moses. Moses doubted God, by the way. He doubted God at every turn. He, come, he came as flawed as they can come. He doubted God throughout, actually. At some point, he even told God, send someone instead of me. He doubted that God would use a man like him. But God, in his mercy, he used Moses graciously. He guided him by his grace and he led Israel out of bondage into the land, into the promised land. Qualifications for grace. There are three qualifications for grace. Number one, nothing. Number two, nothing. Number three, nothing. You don't need any qualification for you to get God's grace. However, the Bible says in the book of James chapter 4 verse 6 as we conclude, God gives more grace to those that are not proud, but to those who are humble. He gives more grace. Everyone can get grace. But when you have a character, a lifestyle of a humble person, humility, it is a cloak, it is a clothing that 
many of us despise, many of us look down on because you think by being humble, people will trample on you. By being humble, people will treat you as a doormat. By being humble, people will take advantage of you. And we encourage ourselves so much, isn't it? But the Bible says he gives more grace. If you want more grace in your life, then there is no other shortcut. It's what? It is humility. You must learn to humble yourself before the Lord. The Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will. He will. I want to welcome pastor, even as we stand up, so that he can come and pray for us. If we can be upstanding. And maybe you can even whisper a prayer to God. You can actually lift up your hands to God and appreciate him for his grace. And tell him, Lord, I thank you for your grace upon my life. And I thank you that even this year, it is going to end. I will end well and I will start 2023 well. Not by my qualifications, not by what I am, not by what I have, but by your grace. If I were you, I would start thanking God for his amazing grace. His amazing, it is grace that found you as you are. It is grace that has made you who you are today. It is grace that will help you get there. Because he is an amazing God who gives amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Most grace that I see is grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears Relieved, how precious did that grace appear. There I first and appreciate that grace that found you and me when we were lost, when we were blind. Today we are found, today we can see. We were no people, 
But today we are people. We had no hope. Today we have hope. Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful to you today. You gave us your son Jesus to die on our behalf so that through him we may become the righteousness of God. We paid nothing, but you paid everything for us, King of glory. We are grateful and we honor you today. We glorify your name for loving us. Thank you for the come to us to remind us that we are works of grace. We are where we are because of grace. We did not deserve it, but God given it to us free. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for healing us. We thank you for delivering us, O oh God. We thank you for releasing favor upon our lives, O oh King of glory. We bless you, Jesus, for the love and the mercies that God we have experienced and we continue to experience. The successes of the year, O oh Lord, mighty God, we thank you and we honor you today. We praise you, our Father, and glorify you. And maybe you are here, you've, you are not born again. There is grace. You do not need to worry about your sins. You may feel like you cannot be forgiven. Or you have backslidden. You think that the Lord will never receive you again. Today, there is grace. We've been taught about grace. That grace is available for you. You do not need to do anything. You just need to say yes. Lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. If you are saying, Pastor, I'm the one, not born again. I'm about to write. I need to come back to the Lord. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. Father God, there may be people not with us in their home or Forever, and they are listening to us and they are lifting up their hands to you. Lord God, we pray together with them that you may extend and increase grace. For Lord, they have come to you with humility and asking for forgiveness. And even us, Lord, who have experienced this grace, many times we forgive, many times we fail. Jesus, to see upon our life. Father, we ask that you would have mercy and forgive us and help us to keep remembering that it is grace that sustains us. It is grace that you lift us. It is grace that you help us even to succeed in this life. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.